You're listening to the Lean Six Sigma for Good podcast. We help you learn how Lean and Six Sigma concepts can be applied to nonprofits, NGOs, and not-for-profit organizations. Visit us at LeanSixSigmaForGood.com. All right. Hi, everybody. So as I, as promised, Mr. Brian Hurley is with us. Uh, he's a Lean Green expert. I've, uh, I've seen videos, I've read papers of a lot of the great work that he's done. And uh, today he has graciously accepted to spend some time with us to take us uh, through um, some of his work, maybe a, a deeper dive in one project that he's been involved with. So without further ado, Brian, I turn it over to you. Okay. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me today. Um, I'll do a little introduction and share my screen so you can see my slides. I'm uh, considered a Lean Six Sigma Master Black Belt, uh, which just means I've been doing this quite a, quite a long time. Uh, my background is in statistics. That's what I studied in school. I went on and did a master's program called Quality Management and Productivity. Probably an early insight into a Six Sigma type of master's program. They didn't call it that. But looking back, I had some industrial engineering courses. I had some business courses. And I had more statistics courses. So it really set me up as like a business analyst, process improvement person. So I started at an aerospace company, worked there for 18 years, and my job was pretty cool. It was basically go around and just be helpful. We know we need your help. We're not quite sure where exactly you're going to need help, but here's a couple groups that have already done some of this work in the past with the past statistician we hired. Talk to them and then just kind of find your niche in this organization and help us dip, get better at doing this kind of this kind of work. So I got to really roam around the company the company and learn about the different operations and go just be helpful and useful as a, a mentor or coach or an ins- kind of like an internal uh, instructor. And I had to develop some courses on how to look at data and statistics. There's a lot of people who have taken a statistics class, maybe in school, but they didn't really sink in or they haven't got to apply it much. And our company had a lean program that they had started because they were a supplier to Boeing and Boeing was going through a big lean initiative with a lot of the top Japanese consultants in the mid 1990s. So my company as a supplier was going through the same transition. They just started maybe a year or two before I began working there. So for that 18 years, I was bringing in some Six Sigma methods, but I was also learning the lean methods. And that really gave me this real uh, unique perspective to see both of these approaches and how they work really well together blend. So that's really um, a lot of my background. I worked at a couple different facilities. I, I grew up in Iowa. I worked in uh, headquarters in Iowa. I then transferred to Florida. I went out to Portland, Oregon, and back to Florida, where I'm residing right now. And so I want to walk through an example of a project that happened a couple years ago we took these idea around Lean Six Sigma, apply sustainability approach to it, which I think is a really big uh, opportunity for businesses these days is to not just use these methods to improve their operations, but to also reduce their environmental footprint and also look at their social and their employee diversity and make sure that they're doing the right things in a methodical proven methodology versus I think a lot of my experience has been People come up with ideas and they go off and implement those ideas and they have no idea if that's the right solution. They just kind of hope 
cross our fingers that it makes things better. That's a very expensive and time-consuming way to get there. So we want to bring in these organized, proven methods to try and get to the solutions that's going to be the most effective as quick as possible. But to get there, you have to back up a little bit. And you have to do the research. You have to collect the data. You have to study the process. It doesn't come quick, but it comes effectively. And so that's the trade-off a lot of organizations struggle with is they want answers right now but they really want the right answers and that takes time to develop. So I'll walk through this example here, um, but please feel free to connect with me if you wanna reach out through the website or through my email or LinkedIn, I'm pretty active on, so you can reach, reach me there. So late 2020, there was a organization that designs and builds factory built home, their home factory built home manufacturer based in California. And they were looking for some process improvement training. They were having an increase in wood price, um, and that was really impacting their business and their profitability. And they were also looking at their operations and looking for ways they could look at labor costs. And so they had heard, I think, about lean methodology, and they had reached out to one of the consulting firms I worked with. And they connected me with them. And one of the things they were looking at in addition to just labor costs and wood costs was how can they look at their wood waste? A lot of it is going to the landfill and they thought that there was opportunity there to utilize some of those pieces before just throwing them in the, um, the, the dumpster. So kind of twofold, look at costs and then look at this wood waste specifically. So the training that was offered and that they went through was a blended online course. So it went through Lean Fundamentals, that's the name of the course. And with it came some coaching calls where I was the one that would work with them to basically translate the training they took back to their operations and business. So we went through online, they went through these courses and they had to complete certain courses at certain times of the, of the month. So they had like a schedule that, okay, by week, Two, you have to go through the first module. By week three, the next module. So we gave some kind of guidance for them. You'd be surprised at how many people sign up for online training and don't complete it. Or maybe you wouldn't be surprised. But that happens a lot. So having a little bit of accountability was really important to try and make sure that they were getting all getting through the training. And, and then the follow-up calls and discussions were around, what did you learn? Does that make sense to how it works in your business, like they might have learned about Kanban. And we'll talk about how does that fit? You know, tell me about one of your processes. How could we switch it from a push system to a pull system? How, how would 5S apply to your work area? So just having those discussions, like you would in a normal course in a class, was really insightful and helpful. So we went through the core lean uh, materials, same the one, same as the ones you're, you're getting experience and input on. And then working through a project is really where people learn the most, of course, it's applying it to a real life situation. So I helped them scope out and define what the project would be. And we were looking at these costs and this rework, or sorry, this lost opportunity on the scrap wood. Um, and then at the end, helping them try to document what they did. That's another problem I see sometimes is people do a lot of work, but they don't document what they did. 
and we don't go back and check to see have those results maintain themselves have we kept up the positive results we got and just to put on paper or dent into a, a file of some sort a summary of what all the things that were done we often forget all the things we do so documenting these is important just as a good as a best practice but also for them to earn a lean certification we decided that you need to document your whole project and so that's what they did so i was helping them piece it together in an organized manner that kind of flowed from here's our problem here's the current situation this is the things we found these are the ideas we came up with this is what we actually did and these are the results right a very logical flow but sometimes that's not as easy for people who are right in the middle of it to really step back and look at the big picture and put it into a very structured format like that. So let's talk about the actual work and one of the some of the things that they uncovered. So through a series of different activities, and I'll talk about these tools that they used and methods that they applied, they determined that they were util underutilizing this number three grade wood, and it's actually less expensive than the number two wood which they use most of the time. And also because of the grade, it, it's harder uh, the, to meet the specs that they have. So they were losing some um, quality in the suppliers that were delivering it. So this was happening in late 2020, early 2021. If you remember back, we were there was a big shortage in wood because a lot of people were at home. They couldn't go anywhere. And they started doing home improvement projects and the price of wood skyrocketed. So their business was relying on this, this wood and now they can't get it or it's gone up in price. And so they're losing wood already with the quality levels that they have to meet. Um, so that was one observation that was made. They also observed that they could be um, looking at a lot of these steps and reducing labor and transportation costs specifically in these couple areas of reprocessing and setting up cripples and joists. There was unclear guidelines about scrap pieces and what to do with them, which would create higher usage of the number two wood, where if they could salvage this, then they wouldn't have to grab a new piece of wood. They could grab one from the, the dumpster, basically, but there was no process there. So it was very complex and time consuming. And so people didn't bother. They just said, I'll just grab a new piece instead of trying to fish through this pile of wood that's disorganized, hoping I find the right piece. Um, so they were wasting $33,000 in waste removal. They thought they could be around $5,000 of wood savings by switching the quality of the wood without suffering in the quality of the product. There were safety risks that they noticed with their workers with manual cutting and transporting of wood that can cause injuries or ergonomic issues. And there was not a clear grading system for what makes a prime or subprime lumber. So there's ambiguity. And so sometimes people would make the wrong decision. They put a poor quality wood through the process or they'd reject something that's actually usable. One of the things that really caught my attention back in about mid 2000s, I was doing a lot of work in this aerospace company and I was really enjoying the work and I've always liked this type of work. I mean, it's really nice to just go in and teach people stuff and educate them and help them solve problems and see their development and skills and knowledge. Um, it's a great job, but the industry wasn't anything 
I was real passionate about. And so when I noticed that there was this, you know, these challenges going on in our environment and our society, you know, I kept thinking like, this sounds like a business problem. This sounds just like something I would work on for a product yield improvement or test improvement or a scrap reduction project. It's just data. And how do I methodically go through and study a problem? And so I found these EPA toolkit booklets that I'll show you um, all the different ones here in a second. But it, what it did is said, you can use these methods of Lean and Six Sigma to improve your environmental footprint and uh, reduce your impact as a business. Like these do work. And they had culled together a bunch of examples already showing that this has already been done by some major you know, companies and businesses. So that really got me excited on the sustainability path to say, that's something I'm really interested in. That's something that seems meaningful and important. So I found this graphic that they published and they talks about when you identify waste in your process, it has an environmental impact. So when you have inventory, that means you have to protect that inventory and you have to get more packing materials and you have to store it in a facility and that facility takes up a physical footprint and it, it requires a building. Someone had to have constructed a building to store this stuff. And you probably have to light and heat and cool that space. And that has an environmental impact too. And when you have defects, you have to throw those away or send them off to recycling and recycling good, but we don't want to send stuff recycling because you've lost the value of that item. You pot something at full price and then you get pennies on the dollar and the recycling of it. And you didn't even get to use it as full value. So we don't want that to happen. Just like in the wood waste, you don't want that scrap waste. Um, you know, there's waiting. And especially when things are um, can possibly degrade, the longer it waits, the more likely it's going to be a problem. And it could hurt the quality of that product, especially like food. You know, you can't wait forever to make the food or consume the food or it goes bad. So waiting can cause delays. And in this wood process, actually, they noticed that the quality of the wood would change over time as it got stored longer and longer if you didn't store it properly. So all these different wastes have an impact. And so when we identify these wastes and start to remove and reduce them down, we have a positive impact on the footprint for that business. I, I use Tim Woods as my acronym for wastes. There's also downtime is another acronym you can use. I just lined up those letters with the wording. Here are the toolkits that I found. Um, one is around lean in environment. One is around lean in energy, lean in chemicals, lean in water, and then just a general one for environmental professionals that aren't used to lean or Six Sigma methods, how to learn more about them and get the basics and try to apply these into the work that they're doing. Maybe, maybe they're working on hazardous um, waste cleanup. Well, there's methods we can use to make that process safer and more streamlined and faster. Um, there's data, data analytic techniques to look for where to prioritize and focus our improvements. So it kind of um, confirmed what I thought is that these things can be used for sustainability. So my, my, my goal is to try and get people in the business world 
to start to do more of these types of projects at their work. You know, a lot of people get stuck in their operations or manufacturing part, but I'm trying to get them out into the environment safety health group and the facilities group and start working on those. Or to get people in the sustainability field, get them exposed to some of these lean and six sigma methods. Okay, so let's go back to the case study. So what they applied was some spaghetti diagrams and they looked at the, the route and movement of the material and how much uh, transportation it required and how much time that took. Uh, they did a process map for how they constructed a wall and they looked at that process. They also did a hazard, hazard job analysis to identify risks and potential problems with a process to identify safety concerns. They did, looked at their work instructions and SOPs and created some of those. So that's a standard improvement technique is to document and come up with a standard way of doing the job or the right best way to do a job. They developed a maintenance plan for a new piece of equipment they purchased so that it wouldn't break down as quickly or have as many problems. They implemented some visual controls to increase safety and simplify the process. They implemented 5S, which is a pretty broad topic. It has to do with decluttering and simplifying the layout and organizing the workspace and labeling and color coding everything, marking things properly, and having a system of managing and keeping that organized. And so they implement a lot of that around the facility. And then they did some time studies to measure how long does it actually take us to do this work? And let's watch and observe those uh, workers performing the job and, and watch them multiple times and see if we can pick up some of these wastes in the process. So what they ended up doing based on what they found, what they saw, and again, I was coaching them remotely, so I didn't go and tell them what was broke, but the training kind of gave them some things to look for, what kind of things are waste, start there, look for your backlogs and inventory, look at motion and transportation. All these things can get in the way of you getting a home built. So whatever holds up the home getting built and doing the actual work is potential waste that we can remove. And so just having them, we have a better understanding of what to look for. I think they spotted some of these opportunities. I'm sure some of these they already kind of had in the back of their mind as well. That's great. But we just want to make sure we have a full understanding of the current process before we just jump into solving and fixing things. So they did end up purchasing a, a better saw tool. We don't really recommend that as part of lean because there's a capital investment and time to get that ordered and installed and set up. Um, but that did have a lot of, it did address a lot of safety issues and time um, impact that it addressed. So uh, it was a good decision. Uh, but usually we try to figure out what can we do right now to make the process better without throwing money at it right away. So they did also looked at their air supply lines and reduced the number of connectors they needed, which saved time and getting things set up and probably gave a um, higher pressure coming out the lines. They created a mill cart, which allowed them to move and transport lumber a little easier. And it cut their time from, from 18 seconds to 80 seconds down to less than 10 seconds. They also developed this go, no-go gauge for determining the prime versus subprime lumber. 
They came up with a supermarket system to better manage their cripples and their uh, reordering process. So they had a dedicated and organized storage area. They switched their forklift to allow a walk-behind approach. I think that saved a little bit of time, a little bit of time on setup. And I think there was a safety enhancement with that. They improved other safety areas by reducing transportation and risk of tripping on boards. So some of the processes would leave cut pieces on the floor, and that could be a trip hazard. And the new saw doesn't, it contains those pieces. And they moved the glue rack to free up space and then allow storage underneath it. And that also reduced spillage onto the wood, which would lead to uh, the wood being not usable. So those are some of the things that they came up with. And here's a few photos. Um, this is their color coding system for some of the pieces of wood. There's time being spent trying to measure the board sizes to know if they have the right one. So they came up with this color coding system that says, if you need a certain size wood, you know that means it's a red size, go grab from the red pile. And that cut down their time so much that they could go um, like all their scrap pieces were organized now. If you like this topic, please check out the Lean Six Sigma for Good book series with the subtitle Lessons from the Gemba. We have recently released volume two in paperback and ebook, and we will have the audiobook ready later in 2023. Volume one is already available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook. Within each volume, there are eight chapters written by different Lean Six Sigma practitioners who have applied their skills to nonprofits, NGOs, not-for-profit organizations and government agencies. Proceeds from the book sales are split evenly and go to the nonprofit selected by each author. Go to LeanSixSigmaForGood.com or search Amazon for Lean Six Sigma For Good to find the book series. These books make a great gift for your process improvement team or someone you know who works at a not-for-profit organization. And now if they wanted to reuse them into the process, it's so much quicker and easier. So they were more likely to. And uh, all they had to do is go through and cut these excess pieces into a usable size for reuse. So you have to, they had to basically come up with this approach that would allow them to um, manage the scrap pieces that they had. Because otherwise it would be too time consuming and wasteful and it's, uh, people would just say, that's not worth it. This is the mill cart that they created to transport the lumber around. It had some wheels, but it also could be picked up with a forklift. So if it got too heavy, they could move it in other ways. Then they actually cut a hole in the wall down here, which would created a shorter pathway instead of going all the way around this wall. And that saved a bunch of time. And you'd think like that's a pretty massive change there, but uh, they realized that was worth it. That time savings is gonna pay for itself. And then on the right here is their gauge that they use. So they would lay the piece of wood next to it. And if the wood was bent too far, the edge of the wood would stick into the red zone. And that meant it's too uh, warped and it has to be de degraded to a subprime piece of lumber. If it stays in the green zone, then it's okay. And before it was very subjective or left up to the person's experience and knowledge to know the right decision. And sometimes they get it right or wrong. So I just want to bring clarity and um, uh, more consistency on these decisions that are made. And that's something I learned over the years too, that anytime it's left open to interpretation 
it's not black and white on what those answers are, you get a lot of variety in answers. And that can lead to problems where you're letting bad stuff go through your process or you're rejecting good stuff when it shouldn't be rejected. And that both can cause excess costs and customer satisfaction problems. So before, uh, so if we go look specifically at the wood waste problem, so some of those things help with their labor costs and utilizing uh, a different grade of wood that would work fine in their application. That goes back to this idea and lean around value is what is the customer really need? And are we overdoing it or extra processing or over processing it by giving them a higher quality wood than is needed for that particular application? And they found that this lower quality wood would do just as fine and it's a 33% cost reduction. So that was one uh, thing they were able to reduce. The other piece was reusing the scrap pieces or the cold pieces so that uh, it could go back into the process. And so that was the color coding system that they came up with. So before, over a two day period, you can see they piled up all these scrap pieces, about 66 linear feet of unusable, or sorry, they already took out the uh, usable boards. This is the unusable boards left over versus after they put in this process, it dropped to only five linear feet over a two day period. And some of that is just like sawdust from the, the saw that they used. So they were able to take these pieces, cut them into standard sizes, put them back on the shelf basically for use um, and cut their wood uh, waste disposal costs down quite a bit. So the results were a huge improvement just on reducing the type of lumber. Um, they saved approximately $250,000 in doing that. The wood waste wasn't quite as a huge cost savings. It's roughly uh, 8,000 per year, plus another 3,000 in um, the wood waste. I think it's total around 10 or 11,000. Um, so total with, uh, there's a couple other savings that they had almost $300,000 of savings with these projects. Pretty good results there um, from the sustainability side of it, really looking at two things, the wood waste going to the landfill, which eventually breaks down and biodegrades, but takes a long, long time. The transportation of the that lumber to the landfill is taking up fuel and cost and extra trips for the trucks. And then there's time in doing the paperwork of dealing with that those pickups and deliveries, someone has to organize that or schedule that. Um, and so there's usually paperwork and processing that has to be done. So there's some labor uh, that gets saved as well. I didn't, I don't think they captured that. When I think about sustainability is, are we providing a safe work environment for the workers? And they touched on a few of those with the safety and the saw is it's a safer operation and also less caring of piles of wood on their shoulders, which is ergonomic issue. It's injury. It's a high risk for uh, back injuries or, you know, trips or running into things or um, other injuries that can occur, shoulder injuries. So again, looking at these things and making sure that people come to work and they have the safest tools and devices and they leave work the same condition they came to work, right? So they're not suffering at the job that they're coming to do.
So that's another piece of sustainability that seeing more and more inserted into the the assessments and criteria that companies are assessing companies at is how are you treating your workers? So safety is a big concern there. And if you have injuries that are happening pretty regularly, then this has to be something that gets prioritized. So those are the results there. So at the end of this, then they completed all this, they documented it, they submitted this as part of the process for certification. I review their project, but since I was involved the whole time, it was pretty quick review. I just look over their documentation, make sure they kind of hit on the key things. They use the tools from the training properly, but then it shows that they could not only took the training, but they applied it to their actual work and had success with it. And so we gave out a lean agent certification. And that was through Six Sigma US, which is a, a consulting firm I work with. So it took them about nine months to get through. You can see there's a lot of stuff they did. They could have probably done a smaller project, but they were really, it was such a business critical that they really wanted to get these kind of results. So they, I think, took on a pretty challenging project, but they had some key leadership involved who went through the training and were part of that project, as well as a lot of other people helping. So that's, um, that's about it for the project itself. I'm just going to give a couple of links and resources if you want to learn more here. So Sorry, there's an audio glitch there. It should be the set up a website, Lean Six Sigma for good. We have different topics on process improvement tools applied to different uh, non-traditional applications like outside of a normal for-profit company like governments or food banks or healthcare. So there's a lot of articles and, and videos you can check out there. I've got some free courses you can go through. One is um, here, Lean Six Sigma in the Environment. Where I talk about the use of these tools for environmental problems. We also have a, a free course that's on applying lean at home. So that might be really helpful, especially if you're going through this course. That one's pretty short. Lean Six Sigma for Good website. Also, I've got a book series it's called uh, Lean Six Sigma for Good Lessons from the Gemba, where I've got other authors and practitioners who have put together um, examples and case studies for uh, not for profit type of applications. I have a podcast, Lean Six Sigma for Good. And then my consulting website is business performance improvement at biz-bi.com. I've got some tools and templates that people can download for free. And I also have another podcast that I run there. And then these are some books that I've seen or read over the years that touch on lean and process improvement with sustainability or uh, nonprofit work. These are good can check out. So let's open up for any questions you might have. The first question had to do with the process for measuring the wood and they wanted to know what was the driver of that problem and why was that solution needed to come up with a gauge to help determine good from bad pieces of wood in the warpage. There was specs and requirements around that but it was difficult for them to assess that consistently or accurately, um, you know, it, it might be like an, a specification that says it can't, you know, after this much linear feet, it shouldn't be more than X number of inches, but maybe someone experienced knows how to set up and measure that accurately, but someone new may not may mismeasure that or measure it in the wrong location or may not 
clamp the board down properly on the other end. And so they're getting a reading that they think is okay and it's incorrect. And so when they built a fixture, it kind of kept and made the decision making and the uh, measurement more consistent. And in fact, that happens a lot is there's um, confusion about how to, to collect data and what that data means. And people will make decisions about this is good or bad material based on this measurement that can be done many different ways and get many different answers. Um, that's probably one thing I've noticed a lot is don't trust the data. And a lot of your work, uh, a lot of your exercises, the data is assumed to be good. But when I got into the real world, what I found is the data isn't always good. In fact, it's often wrong. It's often misleading. And so if people are recording numbers, and but they're measuring it incorrectly, they're giving, getting a wrong answer, and they're making the wrong business decision. Um, not sure if I quite answered your question there, but... No, no, you did. You did. You did. Thank you. Okay. Thanks. Brian, we're very grateful. Thank you very much. Um, if there are any other additional questions, I will make sure to capture it from them and pass it on to you. Yeah. Happy and to then, respond back or email back. Perfect. Thank you. I've personally looked at uh, some of the books that Brian has authored at one point. I think it was the second to last slide. Yeah. So see the link where it says Lean Six Sigma for Good.com book series. His very first book, he has actually done a really good job um, making YouTube videos based on the content of the, the chapters of the book. So there's, um, I think if I recall correctly, there's one short YouTube video for each chapter and the whole thing together is 50 minutes. And I highly, highly enjoyed um, those videos and the content. So I, um, I, yeah, I that really was recommend. A short, a short book I did just um, yeah. prior to these uh, ones with yeah. the authors in it. Yeah, it's a really good read. It's a really good read if any of you are interested to know more about this kind of domain. But with that, we'll leave it at this. Brian, once again, thank you. Yeah, anytime. Are you interested in learning more about Lean and Six Sigma? Or are you looking to expand your existing skills to apply them to environmental impacts at your work or in the local community? Check out our free online course called Lean Six Sigma and the Environment on thinkific.com. We'll teach you about the Lean Forms of Waste and Waste Walks, which stands for Water, Air Emissions, Solid Waste, Toxins, and Energy. We'll go over examples of reducing electricity and solid waste, teach you how to involve your facilities and environment safety and health personnel. We'll provide guidance on how to green your 5S and Lean Kaizen events and many other tools specific to finding environmental opportunities. Learn more at LeanSixSigmaEnvironment.org.